It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. I'm Brian Whitman along with Dr. Stuart Fishbein. Thanks for joining us. If you want to ask Dr. Stu, well, it's askdrstew at gmail.com. Hello, Dr. Stu. Hello, Brian. I'm really good today. I hope that you're good. And Randy? Oh, we're, we're well. Uh, he, Dr. Stu. Actually, Randy has some issues, uh, medical issues, we'd like to explore a little bit later with you, if that's possible. It's not left over from the last podcast, was it? No, they're fresh ones. Oh, okay. But yeah. but we want to, uh, whenever we have a guest on Dr. Stu's podcast, we want to take, not not a spotlight, but Kimberly Vanderbeek, a floodlight, and shine it upon <laughs> you so that everybody can know that you are here. You are a, Dr. Stu doesn't have patients, he has clients. Yes. You were a client of Dr. Stu's. I was indeed. And, uh, of course, we all know James is your husband. So yes. we'll just get that right out there. <laughs> uh, and uh, and your second baby, Joshua, I told you I love that name. Stu, I think I've told you, if I were a dad today, if somebody had my baby today, I would say, can we please name him Joshua if it were a boy? It's a really strong name, Brian. You know, I mean, Joshua Whitman just does, sound, it does have a nice ring to it. Josh Whitman, right? Josh Whitman. Yeah. Do you call him Josh? You know, I haven't called him Josh yet, but I think it's kind of cool when other people do, so maybe I'll start doing it. Because his buddies will call him Josh, don't you think? <laughs> They'll call him Josh. Yeah. All the cool guys call him Josh. And the girlfriends will call him Joshua. Joshua, yes, it's proper sounding. Right, I think yeah. that that's nice, actually. And is he mommy's girl or daddy's little boy or a lot of both? And you have a, you have a daughter as well. He's not mommy's girl. Um he is Forget, mommy's boy. He's mommy's boy. He's mommy. <laughs> I meant daddy's boy or mommy's boy. He's a little bit of both, actually. She's very sharp, Brian. You're going to have to be on your toes. Yeah, well, she caught that. Well, I had, I actually had a, 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 a moment of gender confusion. And she caught it. It was a, a legitimate moment of well, gender that's, confusion. Well, that's good because we only have one bathroom here anyway. So yeah, right. we, that can, we can all use the same bathroom. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got your beautiful Olivia, who's almost three. Yes. Now, Olivia, you had at the hospital. Yes, I did. And then you got this idea. Controversial, it was called. You were a radical, a rogue. Look at that Kimberly Vanderbeek. She's going to have her baby, her second baby, that Joshua, not in a hospital. And she's blogging about it on the Internet. She's telling the world that she is having her baby at home with this Dr. Stu. And people thought you were you were out of your mind. Oh, you know, little correction, actually. I didn't dare tell everybody I was having this baby at home. It was actually planned for hospital. I was forced into having this baby at home. Uh, okay. And then I talked about it after. Okay, the talking about it after they didn't like. I got in trouble. Because you had a good experience. Yeah, I had an amazing experience, and I'm not ashamed of it. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a tough uh, first experience. I had an amazing second experience. And I think all the stories are valid. Mm. Everything in between. Uh, can I ask what it was or Dr. Stu or, or if it's not, if anything's none of my business, say, Brian, be quiet. Uh, easy. Right, easy is a good one. He word. won't listen to you, but you can <laughs> say it. Anyway. In between, obviously, the planned hospital birth and then having Joshua at home. Uh, something happened. What what might be something that might happen that would uh, call for a home birth uh, kind of a switch there to that option? Yes, um, it, I was all, I was thirty six and a half weeks pregnant, and I found out Joshua was breech. So I spent a week doing everything I could to churn him, um, burning moxa, acupuncture, chiropractic visits. James, they say that you should be inverted. James literally had a lawn chair set up on top of tables in my house that I laid. Sounds like a Cirque du Soleil show. <laughs> I laid you were doing down there. Just while to he was over. while he was burning moxa on my toe. Is this on video? I, I this have is some wild. photos. I don't know okay. if I'm going to share them. So, so what you're actually trying then? To turn Joshua around. Yeah. And he he wasn't turning around, so I decided to stop forcing him into it. Um, 
and have him breach. Did you did you try an external version? No. What okay. does that mean? We, we eventually found out that Joshua had his umbilical cord wrapped around his neck, which I would say more babies have than not. Just a lot of mothers don't know that. It's a um, fashion statement. It's a fashion. It's a necklace. <laughs> um, it but it's scary affect- when you hear it. When you hear <laughs> it, that, it scares It people. sounds really scary, but I think Dr. Fishbein will explain this better than I will. Uh, they're not breathing air inside of you. It's really not affecting them. Hopefully. Mm. And, you know. Yeah, no. So so the thing I mentioned about external version is a procedure that's done where at around 37, 38 weeks when all else has failed. And because the choices for breach are so limited, which we'll talk about in just a second. One of the things you try to do is you can try to take the baby and massage the woman's massage is a gentle word. It's, it can actually be a lot more forceful from mm-hmm. that. And you try to make the baby either do a forward roll, a forward somersault, or a backward roll into a position to bring the head down and bring the butt back out of the pelvis. Now, we've uh, said before here on Dr. Stu's podcast, again, thanks so much for being with us. Our very own Randy Wang, a breach, but first. I That's mean, right. You, know, he came you out. were? Oh, yeah. yeah see? Nice. <laughs> well, what percentage, guys, of babies are breached? Do we know? Is there a well, number on that? Well, uh, before 28 weeks, it's about 25%. So, Is it that high? Yeah. So if anybody has a breech baby at 30 weeks or 28 weeks and their doctor's starting to scare them about that just roll your eyes and just you know either correct them and say well doctor you know i have about a 96 percent chance that within a few weeks my baby's going to turn head down because by 36 weeks 37 weeks 96 percent of babies are in the head first position and three to four percent are in the uh, butt first position so kimberly vanderbeek is it safe to say and if, and if it's wrong say yeah, i'm wrong are you a celebrity advocate for home birthing it, it, has it changed did your experience are you so passionate about it that you're advocating that others do it? Wrong. Wrong. Okay. Wrong. So what would be right? I'm a huge advocate of two things. One, a woman getting her information. I got myself informed. I did everything I could to find out what's happening in other countries, what's safe. This doctor, Mr. Fishbein, man, how many breaches has he delivered? What's his record? And what is he looking at to see if I'm a safe candidate? I did all the research that I could have possibly done at this point in my pregnancy. So I got my information. I think, one, you need information. Two, Every woman has an, an intuition mm-hmm. and you need to follow it. Mm-hmm. If I'm your dear friend, I'm going to tell you how magical my home birthing experience was. And, and I think everybody knows that they're not all magical experiences, whether it's at home or in the hospital. Um, but I will, t- I, you know, I will encourage you to think about that option. Mm-hmm. But really, you shouldn't listen to me if everything is telling you to go to a hospital and that's where you feel safe. I think where a woman feels safest is where she's going to give the most healthy birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, because we've talked about... Go ahead, Randy. Well, wherever she's most comfortable, it's going to exactly. be easier labor. That's just what I've heard from... We've talked about this before on, yeah. those, on the Dr. Stu podcast show because we talked about how fear inhibits labor and inhibits the process. So you need to go where you feel safest. And, you know, even though you know I'm a home birth advocate, right. I'm 100% in agreement with Kimberly, and I always say that home birth isn't for everybody, but informed choice is for well, everybody. And that's what I wanted to ask Kimberly about, because you mentioned a moment ago that the first thing you listed was getting your information. And on Dr. Stu's podcast here, we have talked about the importance of doing just that, and we've talked about sort of the challenges that many women have in sort of getting the right information, or at least the full spectrum of information in terms of options. Did you find it a challenge to actually get your hands on all of the information that you needed to get? 
I think that I'm a little blessed living in a city. I think naturally when you're in a city, you know, you have some more options. There's just more people. There's more options that come with that. And so even still, I did have a lot of obstacles. When I was finding out Joshua wasn't churning, I thought I was stuck getting a cesarean. I did not think that there was anybody to deliver my baby. And it was really confusing and it was really stressful and really difficult on me. That's really not what you want to feel when you're at this point in your pregnancy. But um, I did find out through my chiropractor about Dr. Fishbein and my dude. Lula then told me quite a bit about him, Yvonne Novak. And then I realized how many options I really am blessed to have. I understand that not all women across the country have these options. That's why I'm talking about it. Perhaps because they're in more rural areas and things like this. Exactly. And, you know, if more people know about it, more people hear about it, more people understand this is a viable option to have, then hopefully there will be some changes. So how would you, again, Kimberly Vanderbeek is with us. She is our guest. She has a great website, by the way. It's going to be launching pretty pretty soon. Oldschoolnewrules.com. Oldschoolnewrules.com. Sort of help you get back to the roots and the basics of life. Sound like you have an interesting uh, website that you're launching. Uh, So you have have Olivia and you have Joshua in the event you were to have more children in the future if you decide you want to do that uh, would you pursue a home birth would that be your primary let me I'd like to do it that way or would you still sort of uh, 100% mm. I'll just stop you right there yeah I'm I'm a hundred percent down to shoot for a home birth on my next one I was talked out of it with Olivia it was actually something that really interested me and the second one I just went with the same the same plan that I had with Olivia and I really feel like I was blessed and kind of forced into having the birth that I truly wanted you you don't have to say who talked you out of having Olivia at home but but how were you talked out of it you know what what were what was the argument for against it you don't have to say who offered the argument but who what were what were the things that were said a friend of a friend had a terrible experience yeah yeah That's you know it. and dr stew as you know there i've said it a thousand times here on dr stew's podcast we're only six podcasts in but i've said it i think six well six almost 200 times on each show i've said it a thousand times how, how uh you know you know who really loves to give opinions ladies who've been pregnant Yes. They have a million opinions and boy do they like to share them. Right. And we've talked about this before that anecdotes are very powerful because you're in a little community or your little setting or you're uh, with your family or your friends uh, or the, your workmates and there's an anecdotal story that affects one of them and that is so powerful in that community. But a really good adage in life and something we should all remember is the plural of anecdote is not data. And the, and the truth is is that everyone talks about stories where things necessarily don't go well. And that's just human nature. We talk about planes that crash, not planes that land safely. And you know, if it, someone treats you poorly, you tell people. If they're really nice to you, maybe you don't say anything. Well, yeah. You, well, nowadays you might give five stars to like right, Dr. Right. Stu's podcast. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely on iTunes. Of course. Are you kidding me? But uh, no, you. But if again, we all have the power of of with the internet of making good or bad recommendations. So that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Kimberly's experience was. That this was a friend she trusted who had a very bad story, yeah. and it sort of frightened her as it would frighten most people who are who don't know 
that there's another side to the story and you don't hear the other side to the story mm. were you in a pool did you have the pool did uh, uh dr sue come and inflate the pool you do the whole thing or because, <laughs> because and you know we had that we had a doula on last time and we, we, we kimberly we were talking about placenta we've got a cookbook on the website the 25 placenta recipes oh no i, I, I won't ask, eat mine you all right I, no but goodness. hold on hold on don't thank yeah, goodness too quickly i yeah do, you're putting the cart before I, the horse here brian I, I actually do take it in pill form. Oh, you have it broken down. Yes, I have it broken down because the thought of eating it really disgusts me. Okay, now I don't want to be gross. I don't want to be gross. Could you have a placenta smoothie? No. Okay. I, I, honestly, the first time I even heard about the pills, I wanted to gag. I, it was the most disgusting, repulsive thing I, tiny, I had you know, ever heard. They're not like yeah. those pills. They're tiny no, they're, they're, you know, they're regular size. Like a big vitamin, maybe. Exactly. Okay. So this is the time when Sarah Avalos should put on the earmuffs and not listen for the yeah, next Yeah, she was our seconds. doula who was on talking about eating the placenta. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, like a whole, like, I think she had a Foreman grill out listen, or something. I mean, she really went for it. If that's your thing, eat up. I, okay. I'm just not going to be having the meal with you okay fine I, right. but i really do find it's funny because and you know this is the first time i'm actually publicly saying i took my placenta pills that's why um, we ask these questions i was going to do a blog about it thanks for blowing the whistle <laughs> um, well now you're gonna get more listeners now you're gonna get more yeah. people read the blog <laughs> well i'll tell you i mean it's it's natural we're the mammals that don't do it. And we have so many issues with people being depressed after childbirth and the, the baby blues and things like this. Well, no kidding. All your good hormones just went to your delivery. Mm -hmm. So put some back in your body. God gave you this little gift and every other animal is taking this gift for replenishment for replenishment and you know since i can't stomach the thought i do have them in pill form and it's funny james would know when i didn't take my pills i would be moody i would be teary oh, really he would say did you take your pills today can you please take your pills today so kimberly your, no husband, joke. your husband would almost the placenta i'm not trying to be funny the placenta pill it has an antidepressant kind of factor can i have for some? for me can I, please now I'm you're depressed. on board. My mind. I was just telling him before you got here. I am off the charts depressed. Really, Stu. I don't know what's Let's going go on. Get you some really, placenta. You know, can you know, I get some placenta pills? Do you have any? Can I have? I actually do have some. We, we could probably start. Wait a, a minute. We could probably start. You, you better be careful what you're asking for because I have some at home. Don't make me drive them down here and give some to you. I will have you try them in front of me. Can you imagine what would it do to me, Stu? You know, I know, Brian, I, I don't know. You might know. get pregnant. I can't, I, honestly, on the medical side, you know, I'm the, I'm the serious guy here. I'm putting my white coat back right, on Right, I know you put the lab coat on. And then and the uh, stethoscope, you just reattach that. I right? think they were intended for mamas that just had babies. Yeah. That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, that's what I think. Because I don't know the mechanism of how it works. I know it also, not to mention the fact that it has minerals and iron and other things lift, that restorative things. But it lifted your spirits. It lifted your spirits. Yeah, I just felt whole. I felt like I had some energy. And, you know, I... Listen, I have no reason to advocate it except for how I'm the the changes that it made in how I'm feeling. I'm not selling you to mm -hmm. go take the pills, but I think it might be a good idea to try it. Well, if this you don't a, like this, it, then don't take it. This is a this le could lead into a whole other conversation about about the idea that there's a whole side of medicine that those of us in America are, are rarely exposed to, and that would be Chinese medicine or uh, or um, uh, herb, herbology, those yeah. sorts of things. We don't know how these things work, but the, but but Eastern medicine has a long, much longer tradition than Western medicine of, oh, yeah. of dealing with problems like this. And the art of, of placental encapsulation is based on a Chinese medicine. 
Yeah, well, no, I mean, look, you are you are not the first person here on Dr. Stu's podcast to advocate for that or to say, that, at least in your own experience, uh, it was a very positive thing. I advocate trying it. Yeah. I definitely do. I advocate I advocate getting yourself informed. Yeah, right. right absolutely. Uh, look into it. See what other animals are doing it. That's exactly what I did when I was repulsed. I still looked into it. I got my information. And you know what? Changed my decision. Yeah. I'm really and, glad I did. And for right. those of our listeners who do do hospital birthing, if you have a doula with you, the doula can take it. And often she'll know a, re- a referral to a person who does encapsulation. If you don't have a doula, you are entitled to take your placenta. Don't let the hospital tell you, oh, it's hazardous waste and you can't have it. That's not true. Forgive me. I'm not trying to be crass. They throw it away, right? The well, hospital? yeah, they burn it or whatever because okay. it goes in one of those okay. red bags right. okay. that's hazardous waste. Okay. Okay. okay, You know, that's another thing. I'm going to deviate placenta for a second. Placenta is hazardous waste? Yes. And it's chocked full of more nutrients oh. than anybody could ever dream up. Talk about, well, we talk about stupidity and like things, things that don't make sense on the show all the time. Here's one that I always wondered. If you have a tampon in the hospital, it's hazardous waste. If you have a tampon at home, you throw it in the garbage. Why, why is that? It costs three times as much to dispose of it in the hospital because hazardous waste has to go through special uh, companies that do hazardous waste. Whereas at home, you don't. But, you, but we have laws that dictate that hospitals have to put their hazardous waste out this way, which raises the cost of health care. Whereas at home, you can just throw it down the sink or down the toilet. That's fine. Let me bring up a good point, though. <laughs> I'm betting that if you check your medicine cabinet, that if you take pills at all, there are chances are that you have some cow heart lining or placenta of another animal or something like that that you're swallowing or, you know, bones and uh, muscle from horses or pigs or something like this in your candy from gelatin. Right. So for everybody that wants to say, hey, Kimberly, you're disgusting. I say, screw you. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said uh, if, If you're kosher that's where you have an argument with me how and many, i think it's debatable if it's kosher how many pills kimberly did your placenta produce how oh, that's a really good question thank you Stuart. i'm a professional yeah. thank kimberly you so is extremely sharp but brian you uh, you're, you know you mm-hmm. really do uh, have these well, issues you know Stuart, i focus like a laser beam on every program <laughs> i really do yeah and you do it all within five minutes Aren't it's pretty you, impressive you're, you're, you're very, very you are the uh, consummate professional and i'm lucky to be working with you <laughs> doctor Brian. i am blessed to be in your presence um, How many pills, Kimberly? Well, <laughs> it depends on your placenta, <laughs> and it's different with each child. Uh-huh. I do not remember with Olivia. I think I had around 75 pills with Joshua. You take all- like one a day? Um, No, I would take like three a day or if I felt I needed extra because you can kind of tell the difference. And then I would take another one. Okay. I, what was yeah. the difference in your mood and, and everything you were experiencing having not had the pills and being on the pills? You get a buzz? No buzz, just feeling like a normal now Brian's person. Disinterested. No, I'm just asking. Every moody mom, every mom that has mood swings, right. um, knows how special it is to be able to balance those out, and you just feel a bit more balanced. I wouldn't say all the way balanced, but more balanced. But you feel a little more regulated. A little more regulated, yes. Yeah, okay, that's great. Kimberly Vanderbeek is with us. Check out her website, launching soon, by the way, oldschoolnewrules.com, and you are quite the blogger on the internet, and I think that this appearance on Dr. Stu's podcast is going to give birth, no pun intended, to <laughs> some exciting blog entries from you, and the great thing about your blog... I think the pun was intended. Yeah, I think it was intended. You are not <laughs> afraid to duke it out on the internet with people. Rock them, sock them robots on that. Well, internet. I'm not afraid to have a real conversation. Some people, unfortunately, online don't want to have one. You know that. Some people don't. Some people want to hide behind their computer and spew out opinions. And, you know, and if you want to have an informed discussion with me, then fine. If you want to talk about your concerns, 
fine. I'm game. Mm. Yeah, I, but you know, the, but, uh, but come forward and say who you are. The, the problem with the internet is the anonymity of the internet allows people to be vile and venomous and ad hominem. And it, it, it's, it really isn't what the First Amendment was meant to be. When the Founding Fathers put together the free speech amendment, sure. it was meant to be that you, could, you couldn't stop someone from going to the public square and speaking out. But they, they didn't have a bag over their head, and they weren't anonymous. Well, it's like the old days. When I was a kid, you could make a prank phone call. There was no uh, Star 69. They couldn't call you back. So you could call people and give them a hard time. You know, as your refrigerator running, ah, you hang up, and they never call you back. And then it's like they start calling you back. Technology, you can't even make a prank phone call anymore. This internet, you hide behind it. You know, you've got, Randy's got amazing. He's got, like, hot valley stud at yahoo.com. He uses, why, why are you getting that out? <laughs> that, oh, I'm sorry. You want to go public with that address. Okay. That's my private email. I'm sorry, dude. We'll, we'll edit it out. I'm sorry. That, somebody probably has it. Uh, it's probably taken. You're right. No, right. he's Hot Valley Stud 67. Right? Okay. Right, right. That's my other private oh, email. See, now, Stuart, please. We're giving all is of anything, this. Is anything sacred on this show? Yeah, please. You are. I like how you spewed out 67. Uh, I, changed, I was, was going to say 69, and then I changed it quickly. Uh, he said there's a lady in the room. He's no dope. Now, tell us, uh, Kimberly Vanderbeek, when you were having uh, uh, Joshua at home 17 months ago, and today, by the way, so happy yes, birthday. Yes, thank you, thank yeah. you. So he's a Leo like yours truly. No, no, no. 17, 17, 17 months, months, darling. Sorry, I'm he's a, a Pisces. Right. Uh, he's a Pisces, yeah. the fish. Okay. I don't know much about Pisces, how they are or what they're He doesn't called. know much about the calendar either. Yeah, I don't know much. <laughs> <laughs> but the, how involved was James with the home birth? Did he really get in there? Was he in that pool? Was he in that? Uh, I mean, what's going on there? <laughs> Dr. Fishbein's hand just went up. Uh, he really literally got in there. He actually pulled out Joshua's arms. Wow. And yeah, Dr. Fishbein taught him how to be Dr. James. That's so sweet. he delivered your son. Kind of. Sort of helped, didn't it? I mean, I think I did. Yeah, and I did. think Dr. Fishbein and, and James... It's a team effort. ...did some helping. Yeah, yeah. Joshua We, we like to say too. that in the birthing world. We like to say that the mother delivers the baby, and the people at the other end sometimes will catch the baby, yeah. or help them, or assist, or just guide, but... But yeah, the delivery, it doesn't belong to the doctor. It belongs to the woman. Probably, I would say after labor, it definitely doesn't belong to the doctor. The woman gets that credit. Oh, yeah. How <laughs> long was your, uh, was your labor with Joshua? Dr. Fishbein, did you almost not make it to the yeah, delivery? King's Night? No, 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 no. This is, this is <laughs> okay. one of the rarest stories that's happened in my career. Right. Is that because I'm one of the only options for breach delivery. Uh -huh. On the West Coast. On the, well, in Southern one California. Of the, one of the ones in, in the country. There's wow. only yeah, there's a, there's a physician handful. in Glendale who does hospital-based breaches named Dennis Wu, who's a marvelous man, and about and he's about it, besides me. And I don't do hospital-based birthing, I do home birthing. Just so happened that I had two people in the same month that were breach, breach and they one was due two weeks before the other one, one went two weeks overdue, or one went a week overdue, one went a week early. Oh, wow. And I had two breach babies in labor at the same time 65 miles apart. Never happened before. No, I mean, it's the, the chances of that happening. Right, right, unbelievable. In, in my whole career, I've never had... You should have purchased a lottery ticket that, that week. That kind of right. thing. And, you know, so that there was... You know, I know that we're not here to talk about my stress that day, but... <laughs> but no, talk to us about... 65 miles in oh, L.A. Oh, traffic just go. before dawn. Yeah. Uh, it was, was hectic, and I got... Yeah. You know, fortunately, I have my wonderful midwife, Beth Cannon, and we had Yvonne Novak, the, the doula there, and James was there just in case. And uh, but I got back from the Ventura birth that I was at, right, all the way to the Hollywood area, where Kimberly was living at the time, 
And I probably the baby came out what about twenty minutes later? Oh wow! Uh, no, six like, six minutes may, later, maybe seven, yeah. maybe five. Yeah. Well, Joshua came very quickly. I I literally had Joshua in half the time it took me to push with Olivia. Right. I had him in about two, almost two and a half hours. Wow. God, God bless that child. And um, God bless Beth Cannon, who came with all the confidence in the world and said, I got this. She looked at me in the eyes. She knew I was dilated to 10. She told me I was dilated to nine. Right. Just to psych me out a little bit. And I did small pushes until Dr. (laughs) Fishbein came in there and then I delivered a baby. Well, you mentioned a moment ago that your husband was very active. And Dr. Stu, you must see when you do home birthing, you must see all sorts of different levels of participation from the male from the dad involved that's right we right. see everything some are probably a little freaked that's right some of the dads are off on the side or they're filming or they're they're quietly off on the side and they're that's just who they are and we've had lots of discussions prior to that so there's it's not a surprise we're not trying to drag someone in to make them uncomfortable My we mom's already, not offended that he's standing away. we already know that this is the plan and and other times we have dads catching the babies with moms are having water bursts we have dads sometimes in the water with the mom often behind her, supporting her, holding uh-huh. her, or we are sitting on her lap uh, outside of the tub, doing that sort of thing. And then uh, it, it runs the gamut of all things. Some people are very interested in it. Some are not really blood. Uh, they're like you, Brian. They would probably want right. to leave the room. Isn't it interesting, though, because um, it's, it, it look how far we really have come. Kimberly, it's so interesting. I mean, you had 17 months ago your baby at home with your husband in the water. Oh, we weren't in the water. In fact, we had that tub blown up <laughs> oh, and yeah. all the water in it, and I never made it. And you never even tub. got into the water. Okay, but yeah. the plan was to get to the water. But now go back, what, four decades? Husbands weren't even in the delivery room at the hospital. I mean, really, how far doctors do society has come in terms of dad's involvement in the birthing process. Yeah, it's been an evolution. Uh, you know, if you think back 100 years ago when, when home birth was the norm, uh, dads were never involved then either. Uh, the, all the women in the family, all the generations were together taking care of the women in labor, and the dads were either downstairs or outside or at work or, or whatever, and it was not, men were not part of it. It was cigar time. So that, yeah, well, that sort of thing carried over when... The, when Hospitals took over the birthing world. The role, the male-female roles, re- remained the same, mm. and doctor and, and the idea of having men in the delivery room was was so foreign that no one even thought about it. I remember it. when I was, was a kid, it, there was always, right, right, when I was a kid, maybe 10 years old, somebody at a conversation at, you know, at, at my parents' friend's house or at our own home, somebody would say, oh yeah, he was in the delivery room. And I remember the reactions were like, you know, they said he, he was from Mars or something. It was so foreign, the concept. I hope they're going to start saying the same thing about uh, breach birthing being an automatic cesarean soon. And I think that they will. But let me tell you a funny story about guys and their involvement. With Olivia, James, we had this agreement. He stays up by my head. I didn't want him seeing anything. I wanted him to not have any changes of heart about how he felt <laughs> about me Keep physically. the mystery. Keep the mystery. Keep the mystery happening. He oh. stayed up by my head the entire time. They had a mirror so that I could see. He didn't even look at the mirror. There was no video. There was no nothing. Fast forward. I'm giving birth to Joshua. I think that we're going by the same rules. Mm. We never had the discussion. Right. Um, I'm in labor. I'm too busy, you yeah, know, in sure. my space. You're having and a then baby. all of a sudden I realize not only is James not by my head, but he's actually 
helping deliver the baby. <laughs> and what I find out after that is he had given my doula, Yvonne, a camera and the entire thing was videotaped. See, Kimberly, <laughs> this is so interesting to me because what it shows is that the first time when you had Olivia, your fear was, you're not saying it, but I'm gleaning from what you said. Yeah. Your fear was that he might not find it sexy. You might be less sexy if he saw that. That's absolutely my fear. And yeah. uh, it, turns, it turns out I'm sure it's not turns the case. Turns out it wasn't the case. Yeah, see in, that? Isn't that interesting? In fact, I think That's it, wonderful too. I think it drew us closer together, but I do think, you know, it's not for every guy. Yeah, I understand. It's not for every woman. Yep. So, That's you know, a bonding I, experience. It is. And I realized I, I didn't care. I thought it was pretty cool, but... Pregnancy number one. That's I had a, a great different story. Thought. That's a yeah. great story, doctors do because I think so. Right? Oh, it's, it's a wonderful story. So many men, I think, find the idea of seeing that, or you know, uh, it's just some men go, "That ain't sexy." You know, it's a lot of things. It's beautiful. Sexy is not one of them. Well, for James, this this was uh, extremely bonding for both yeah. him to Kimberly and also to Joshua, uh-huh. and I'm sure to Olivia too. I mean, this was this was something he really wanted to do, and. Uh, we honored that. Yeah. If a father doesn't want to do that, we do the best we can in the midwifery model to include them in whatever way they want to be included in. And we encourage them. Like, eventually, when the, mother, when the baby's out and, the, and the mother, it's been an hour or two and the mother wants to get in the shower right. or go pee, we tell the dad, if, you know, if he's not modest about it, take your shirt off. We're going to have you lay down. We're going to have the baby go skin to skin with you. A lot for, of nudity the at the house. I mean, is that what's going on? Like, yes. Uh, Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Randy. Uh, natural. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Only, but not in the staff. Well, correct. Right. Right. Of right, course. Yeah. No, I, I understand that. It, it's it's very interesting. How Olivia, your daughter, who is almost yes. three, just about three. How close was she to the action zone, as I call it? Was she when when her brother came along? Was she fascinated or a little bit afraid for mommy or what was going interesting. on? Interesting. Well, um, my water broke the day before. And by the way, if I was at a hospital, it would have been policy to have me induced because I wasn't having contractions and um, nothing happened for quite a bit after that. Um, but so we made sure we had a sitter. And when I woke up at 5, 5.15 a.m. And, and I turned to James, I said, it's on. He knew. He went straight to the room where Olivia was and the sitter was. He... He carried Olivia upstairs and so to try to keep her as much away from the noise as possible. But I say, hey, if I have number three and it's at a decent time of day, then I might not be opposed to them wondering in if they want. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm it, not uh, sure about my thoughts on it yet because yeah. it's really healthy. And I've talked to some Robin Lim at the Breach Birthing Conference. She's an incredible woman. She was CNN's Hero of the Year at uh-huh. one point. Um, she was telling me how in other countries, um, children and everybody witnesses the birth and they have a different view of sexuality and the specialness and importance of it. And I don't know. I'm thinking. Mm. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, we could do, we could do, we could, it's a fun idea, I think, Dr. Stu. We could bring couples in and do an entire podcast on how a on a, how a pregnancy changed or didn't change the sex life and the sexual health of the couple's relationship. I think that's an interesting area to explore. Yeah, I do. And I want to go back to what Kimberly was saying about having children in the birthing room. I, th- I think, it, again, just like, just like fathers, some children are going to react fine to it. Other children are going to freak out a little bit. Especially if mommy appears to be in pain. Or well, something. yeah. But yeah. sometimes seeing that and having explained to them. Now, it's not easy to do that to an 18-month-old or a two-year-old. But by the time they're three and a half or four years old, as 
Olivia may be in your five or six when you have your next baby, then then you know that would be certainly something in your. I know your setting, and I know you and James really well. I think it would be perfectly normal to to have uh, her there. And if for some reason she doesn't want to be there, then she'll, she's out. She'll wander out. Yeah. She will walk out. Wow, yeah. leave herself. And I just make sure she had some support with her if that was a decision. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Very interesting. We're going to put a we can put a link to your blog, Kimberly, on okay. Dr. com website. So for all things Dr. Stu's podcast, you go to Dr. com. There's videos. There's blogs from Dr. Stu. We'll give you a link to Kimberly Vanderbeek's blog as well, which I guess you're going to go blog now about the uh, we, we uh, sort of uh, <laughs> you know, we, 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 placenta, the placenta pills. pills. I mean, I guess Talk we're about swallowing. You, will, will you upload a picture of? one of the placenta pills sure you really want to try one I just want to see what it looks like I'm fascinated by it I just I I have a I have a question for Kimberly though we talked a little bit about the fact that Joshua being breached was the deciding factor in you having a home birth because choice was so limited but if you had had other choices would you have chosen to first of all have Joshua in a hospital in that setting yes Actually, I, if I'm being really honest, um, I would have chosen to have Joshua in a hospital just because say you didn't exist. Um, I would have definitely had him in a hospital just because it's not something that a lot of the medical industry is really well educated on breach deliveries it's kind of a dying art that we're sort of bringing back to life right now there's only two guys there's only a few guys and the other guy i i think he uh uses forceps yeah, he, always he, and he he does a very medicalized version of reach ver- i think i would reach. have preferred a, a cesarean over his version to be honest with you although i think it's god sent that he is willing to do that and this is one of, this is the point that i was trying to make because I, I knew kimberly would answer that way and my point being is that there are almost no physicians in Southern California or in many places in the United States willing to do a breach delivery anymore. And it's not because the science or the medical evidence says that breach delivery is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's because of two things. One is in the last 15 or 20 years, anybody finishing a residency program has not been taught the skills exactly. to do breach delivery, exactly. which is one of the things that Kimberly has been helping me and, it's a and challenge a, to overcome. And a large sure. group of people who are breach activists try to bring back to the United States. Yep. Uh, we, Kimberly was nice enough to come with me last October or November to um, Bethesda for a conference, uh, the International Breach Conference, uh, with some people from all around the world, some really wonderful people from Frankfurt, Germany, Tel Aviv, <laughs> Australia. Amazing midwives and doctors. Can, midwives I would have used at home for a breach delivery and, key, and the key to bringing breach delivery back here in the United States is forming breach centers where you can have people from a large area referred to that area so that you have enough breaches in any given week or month so that if a resident or a medical student is coming through, they can actually get enough training. Because if a resident goes through four years of training and sees three breach deliveries, if he's lucky, it's not enough. he's not going to come out of uh, that uh, training session comfortable and, with and that area ever to do breach deliveries again right right, right. now there are uh, there, as long as we're talking about that for the listeners there you know why Kimberly was able to have a breach delivery with me is because she met the six or seven criteria that go along with having a safe vaginal breach birth certainly breaches should not be delivered randomly they should not be delivered prematurely there are there are criteria that if you meet them then the data says that the outcome for baby 
whether it's exactly the same whether born by vaginal or cesarean section. And the outcome for mother, of course, is better if she's delivered vaginally than if she has a cesarean section. Well, very interesting. DrStewsPodcast.com will have a link there. Kimberly Vanderbeek, you're very talented, of course, in addition to being a wonderful mom. Are you mom 24-7, full-time, all the time? You're working a little bit? You're trying to balance all these things? Is it tough? Oh, it's tough. Yeah, I bet, I bet it is tough. <laughs> it's tough. It's so much fun, but it's really tough. And I'm starting to ease into work. So my site will kind of demonstrate the work that I'm doing. Cool. Um, I was a workaholic before being a mom. So I'm excited <laughs> to get back in a little bit. Cool. And that website, again, is oldschoolnewrules.com. Sort of a get back to the roots, to the basics of life kind of website. Sounds like fun. And there will be a link to Kimberly Vanderbeek's blog on com. If you have a question for Dr. Stu. Ask Dr. Stu at gmail.com. Or a question for Kimberly, and I'll make sure that she gets it, and we'll bring it up in future podcasts. Gracias. Absolutely. Kimberly, th- pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. And thanks th- for having thanks me. Thanks for being so honest with us. We of really course. appreciate it. Dr. Stu, as always. I'll see you soon, Brian. Uh, to, be, to even be with you here with this. It's just, I, can you bring a lab coat? Can I wear a lab coat just for one time? We can take pictures. As of long you. as you've got something on underneath it. As long as, he, <laughs> as long as he takes the placenta pill. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to get emails about the placenta. I, we've opened up a yeah, kind of placenta yeah. here. I don't know how many podcasts you're going to continue yeah, to talk about placentas. Well, but. Maybe one more. Maybe, <laughs> maybe one more. For Dr. Stuart Fishbine, I'm Brian Whitman. For our guest, Kimberly Vanderbeek, thanks for joining us. For Randy Wang, oh, the greatest. Randy. Uh, Valley Stud 67 at hotmail.com if thanks you have so a much. question for him. Thanks for joining us on Dr. Stu's podcast. <laughs>